Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. Now, predicting what Kevin Durant is going to do is always a dangerous proposition and has been for some time. For example, I knew well ahead of time that he and Kyrie Irving were meeting while he was still a member of the Warriors and discussing their desire to play together in New York. I also knew that the Knicks really didn't have a whole lot of interest in Kyrie, but did in KD. Now, for Kyrie, it was always going to be Brooklyn anyway. And my understanding is that KD, regardless of what he says now, was open to the Knicks because there was the possibility of his business manager, Rich Kleiman, also being hired as team president. I don't know when that went sideways. Don't know if Rich was ever seriously considered. Don't know if that's ultimately why KD closed the door on the Knicks. But I do know that he at least at one point considered it. Now toward the end, I was pretty sure Brooklyn was going to win out. But I couldn't bring myself to completely dismiss the Knicks as an option because of KD's reputation among those who have worked with him closely. Let's just say the man is not afraid to change his mind and often does. The feeling is whoever talks to him last has the best chance of convincing him to come their way. That's why, in spite of everything that has transpired this summer, I'm still reluctant to believe he's going to be on another team when the 2022-23 season begins. You can say I'm being stubborn, and maybe I am. The biggest reason for my reluctance is that owner Joe Sy has already shown he's willing to play hardball with Kyrie by taking a max extension off the table almost immediately. Now, part of that may be Kyrie's doing. I'm told he wanted his new contract to guarantee he wouldn't have to play more than 60 games in a season and would not have to play any back-to-backs, which he apparently referred to as inhumane. 
it certainly sounds like Kyrie. I believe NBA owners, particularly new owners, apply the philosophy that made them successful in their previous business ventures, the ones where they made the money to afford buying an NBA franchise. Now, little background. Sai's family escaped mainland China when the communists took over in end of the 1940s, 1949, 1950. So Sai, Joe, was born in Taiwan and then educated in the U.S. Apparently his family was fairly well-to-do. He's a third-generation attorney, or at least that's how he started his career. Before moving over to private equity and then eventually being a key partner in the development of Alibaba, the world's biggest e-commerce site. He's well-versed in negotiation and moving wholesale goods. That's what all of that tells me. And I don't know that someone with that sort of background, who has done business in that way and been successful, is going to look at KD as some rare and precious entity that needs to be treated as such. I would imagine Joe is going to take a very calculated approach to what he does with him. And keep in mind, he's under no obligation to trade KD. When he sent out a tweet that he would do what's in the best interest of the Nets, this was after meeting with KD and having KD reiterate that he wants to be traded with a new twist, unless Cy gets rid of Steve Nash, the head coach, and Sean Marks, the GM, the assumption was that Cy was siding with Nash and Marks when he said that he would do what's in the best interest of the Nets. But I don't know that he has to take sides or is inclined to do so. I don't think it's an either or. KD may have presented it that way, but Cy doesn't have to take it that way. And we don't have to take his subsequent tweet as a reflection of that. KD has four years remaining on his current contract. Now, one of the reasons KD no longer wants to be a net is apparently because of Ben Simmons, in part because of Simmons' indifference to playing, or at least the indifference he has showed the past year to playing. So I just can't imagine KD not going out and playing if he's still in a Brooklyn uniform. I know he has said that he may not report to training camp if he's not traded. We shall see. Now, playing, playing hard and well is another matter. This is where, while KD certainly has the reputation of being a baller and a grinder and a guy who just loves the game, there are people in both the Oklahoma City and Golden State franchises who are still perplexed by a couple of KD's performances. It's not as if he's never curiously laid down or been... Inexplicably, inexplicably passive. Now, they would not say that he threw the game or quit. But, for example, the Thunder are still wondering why he only took 19 shots in Game 7 against the Warriors while playing nearly 46 minutes. This was Game 7, the Warriors coming back from a 3-1 deficit. KD took 19 shots in 46 minutes. Now, in both games five and six, for comparison, he took 31 shots in each of those games. Some among the Warriors 
have a similar feeling about game two of their 2019 first round series with the Clippers, KD's last season with Golden State, when it was already apparent to those, again, inside the organization that he was not planning to stay. Nobody was saying it publicly because maybe they were hoping on some level, maybe it wouldn't be true. But privately, they were telling me, we know he's gone. In that game two, the Warriors built a 23-point halftime lead, thanks mostly to 22 points from Steph Curry. But they wound up losing the game 135-131. KD had a quiet 21 points, 9 turnovers, and fouled out of a one-possession game with 81 seconds left by committing a pair of offensive fouls within 40 seconds of each other. Now, for the rest of both series that I'm discussing, it's not as if KD was sandbagging on a consistent basis. I Generally, I haven't seen that. But when someone suddenly, and it's, look, guys can have bad games, but... I'm just telling you that people know who know KD, who were in those organizations at the time, look to those games specifically and just, there's a big question mark in their heads in terms of what was KD doing? What was he thinking? Now, KD's loss of faith in Marks and Nash is not without merit. A mouthpiece for the next organization, that's as far as I'm going to go, has reported that Ben Simmons is looking great and that they have high expectations for him this season. How many times have we heard that? As I mentioned last week on TV, Ben Simmons lost KD and a number of nets when he didn't play in Game 4 of the team's first-round sweep at the hands of the Boston Celtics. What I've been told and have been assured that this is correct in spite of another report that says it never happened, and that's as far as I'll go with that too, I'm not going to punch down. Ben Simmons was in a group chat with some of the other team's players. And on it, they asked Ben if he was playing in game four. And not only did he not answer, he dropped out of the chat. Now, as I said, there's another reporter out there who suggested the event never happened. I'm well aware that that reporter has... Uh, let's say he has vested interests in painting things a certain way. And again, I will leave it at that. Uh, His comments prompted me to go back and double check with my source. And that source insists that it did indeed happen and explain why someone might report it another way. So I'm sticking with it. The problem KD faces in all of this is that in part because of Simmons, I'm not sure there's another place that he can go where he'd have it as good as he does now. Because in spite of everything, he clearly has a certain amount of influence and power with the Nets. Kyrie's future with the team excluded. I'm told that they wanted to trade Kyrie midway through this past season, and KD told them absolutely not. And they went along with it. Now, I've also been told while they're still good friends, that maybe KD doesn't value him quite the same way as a teammate. I'm not so sure about that. In any case, I believe he feels more loyalty to Kyrie than he does Nash or Marks, or Cy for that matter. Now, all that said, after the Nets refused to give Kyrie a max extension, 
which prompted him to opt into the final year of his deal to the tune of $37 million. KD and Kyrie have to know their chances of playing together beyond this season, in Brooklyn at least, is pretty slim. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Which might just incentivize the Nets to move Kyrie this season if they can, rather than get nothing back for him at all. Now, KD is getting dragged for a multitude of reasons for his desire to be moved. But when you add everything up, is it any wonder that he's asking? I mean, he suddenly found himself with a team that had a lot of components rubbing him the wrong way, or certainly operating in a way he never imagined they would operate. He didn't expect the relationship between Kyrie and management to go sour. He didn't expect James Harden to bail and then the Nets to get Ben Simmons in return. He couldn't know that Simmons would show up and pull the same disappearing act, only a mini one by jumping out of the chat. A mini one compared to what he did to the Sixers by refusing to report to camp and not showing up for the entire season. That's why I took issue with Shaquille O'Neal, in part, criticizing KD for his trade request. Now, Shaq spun the situation forward as if KD had already left and joined a team with better title chances than the Nets and berated him for it, suggesting he was taking the easy way out. First of all, KD hasn't done any of that yet, and I still think there's a possibility that he won't. Second of all, I just don't know that Shaq is exactly the first person who should be calling KD out for jumping ship. Shaq, after all, left Orlando for the LA Lakers and then left the LA Lakers for the Miami Heat. And there's plenty of people out there that are trying to tell me why he left Orlando and then why he left the Lakers. I covered both of those situations. I was covering the league at that time closely as a beat writer or for ESPN. I know what was going on. I know what was the back and forth. So don't tell me now what you have surmised later or what has become the perspective that has been presented as to what happened. In the first instance, he did get upset that the Magic lowballed him with their first offer, which was four years and 50 more million dollars. Now, keep in mind, contracts were a little bit different back then. His first contract as the number one pick was four years and a little over 17 million dollars. The deal was reported as seven years and 40 million dollars, but at that time, teams could only sign draft picks to whatever cap space they had. There was no rookie salary scale. And if it was a low starting salary, then they would stretch out the contract to make it a big number and give the player some security, but also include an early out clause so they could get their true market value as soon as possible. There, that was a time when you could do a one-year out. 
Example, the Warriors had to trade Tyrone Hill to create a salary slot for Chris Webber of something like $1.6 million. That's what Tyrone was making. And then they stretched it out to a 15-year deal to make it worth $74 million total so that Webber had a certain amount of security if he got hurt or whatever. And that was at a time where career-ending injuries was still a concern. Seems to be less so now. Any case, Weber had a one-year out, so he could then sign for whatever the Warriors were willing to pay him. Bird rights. That out proved to be an escape hatch, not a true-up, because of his contentious relationship with Don Nelson and owner Chris Cohan's refusal to get involved. My point being, times were different back then. There wasn't a max contract that you automatically gave to a player of Shaq's magnitude. The Magic never expected to have competition for him, so they initially lowballed him with the four-year, $50 more million offer, which, when you consider what he made on his rookie deal, was a pretty hefty raise. Now, the Lakers jumped into the mix with a $95 million for seven-year offer, and the Magic quickly realized they weren't going to get a budget-rate all-star center. So... They offered $100 million for seven years. The problem, maybe the biggest problem, was the small-town mentality of the Magic fan base. They couldn't, at that time, imagine any athlete being worth that kind of money. Certainly not an athlete in Orlando. And responded accordingly to a poll in the local newspaper. 90% said Shaq was not worth that kind of dough. And they had no idea who they were dealing with. Because at that time, still is, but far less so, Shaq was as sensitive as he was big. And it didn't matter that the Magic weren't saying he wasn't worth it. It was enough for him that the fans didn't appreciate that two years earlier, he had helped lead the Magic to the NBA Finals. Yes, they got embarrassed by Akeem Olajuwon in the Houston Rockets in a sweep in those finals, in part because of some free throws that Nick Anderson missed at the end of Game 1, which set the entire narrative for that series. But Akeem handed it to Shaq. And the Magic then got swept out of the playoffs again the following year, this time in the Eastern Conference Finals by the Bulls who were led by a Michael Jordan seeking revenge for being eliminated by the Magic the previous year after he had made his return to basketball for minor league baseball shortly before the playoffs. But the Magic and their fans, there's no question, they took Shaq for granted. They saw that high point of the finals and then saw things deteriorating and they didn't realize what they had. Meanwhile, Jerry West saw an opportunity. Jerry West GM of the Lakers. In the same way that Pat Riley would see an opportunity nine years later and lure Shaq to Miami. It's an old story about Pat was flying out to LA to see if he could broker the relationship between Shaq and Kobe. Thought he could help smooth that over. And when he got there, he was told, no, we're trading Shaq. And so... Pat was like, okay, if they're trading Shaq, then I'm going to get on my horse and find a way to get him to Miami. 
which is how that went down. Now, all of that is a backdrop to what I've seen happen in these situations, including the fact that when Chris Cohan sided with Don Nelson uh, versus Chris Webber, that the Warriors cratered immediately after that. I don't know if KD quite has the same emotional impact on the Brooklyn Nets that Chris Webber had at the time with the Golden State Warriors. Tim Hardaway, Chris Mullen, all of those players at the time were looking forward. Uh, Latrell Sprewell were all looking forward to playing with C-Web. They thought that he was the guy that was going to get them over the hump. So when he was traded for Tom Gugliotta, it really changed the dynamic of the team in a big, big way. And uh, I forget what it was. They they had won. They were seven and one at the time of the trade. I think they won fourteen more games the remainder of the season. I don't see KD having that sort of impact. But that said, when it's a battle between management or coaches and superstar players, generally the smart move is to go with the superstar player. I don't get the sense that Josiah is going to do that. That he's he's either going to stick with everyone and make it work, or he's going to move KD when the price finally gets to the point that he wants it. I'm not convinced KD really wants to leave Brooklyn. Some have suggested that his them or me demand to Joe is his way of forcing a trade, but that's ignoring the tremendous ego that KD has displayed of late. I'm sure KD is convinced that he is far, far more valuable than Marks and Nash. And I'm also sure that he's not the least bit concerned about the message that would send to whoever their successors were, or the rest of the team for that matter, as far as who has the ultimate control and power. Because if he truly wanted out, he wouldn't have given Sai a choice. From what I've been able to gather, it wasn't one incident or person who turned KD off, but a series of events. Kyrie not being offered a max contract. James Harden being traded. The team getting swept out of the first round. And Ben Simmons, acquired as part of the deal for Harden, being on a call, as I said, before game four. And letting everybody know. Well, not letting everybody know. Just ghosting them. So, and look, if you're KD, when you see a guy bail on his previous team and then refuse to talk to them and then experience what happened on the chat, you can't help but question if he's going to be there when it matters going forward or the going there gets tough. Now, there have been a few other developments that might have KD rethinking his desire to be traded. If at one point it was, I just want out, and now it's, I want out unless... One is the re-signing of DeAndre Ayton by the Phoenix Suns, who matched the offer sheet given them by the Indiana Pacers. That basically has hamstrung the Suns, and they were one of KD's preferred destinations. The Miami Heat were another one of his preferred destinations, and I imagine this contributes to his feelings about Mark, is the fact that one of the reasons it's difficult for the Nets, or would be difficult for the Nets to make a deal with Miami, is because of the presence of Ben Simmons and the fact that they, uh, any team is not allowed to have two players or trade for two players who are on max extensions off of their rookie salaries. 
which is what Ben Simmons has, and Bam Adebayo, and any number of players around the league, Andrew Wiggins being another one. I'm guessing that once KD took a hard look at the Miami Heat and what they'd have to give up in order to get him, realized that that's not a realistic option either. Now, as I said, KD loves to play, and there are stars who treat the game as a business, showing up for work when they have to, or they believe that there's enough at stake to merit their participation, and that, for the most part, is not KD. Whatever faults he may have, being a slacker, for the most part, is not one of them. And I guess, too, there's one other one here. I wonder if he would really bail and leave Kyrie with the dog of a team. And maybe I'm putting too much faith in their relationship, but considering everything, uh, KD has demonstrated a tremendous amount of loyalty toward Kyrie that is confusing some people based on everything that has happened. So, look, I'm not suggesting that it's a lock by any stretch that KD is staying in Brooklyn. I'm sure on some level, Joe Sy would just like to wash his hands of Kyrie, KD, and start from scratch. Since it really wasn't his idea or plan to bring KD and Kyrie to Brooklyn. It just kind of happened during the time where he was buying the team from Mikhail Prokhorov. But I don't know that he's going to be in a rush to make a move either. Just consider what Daryl Morey did with Ben Simmons. How long he waited. How much of the season he was willing to sacrifice. And, well, it certainly hasn't turned out exactly the way Philadelphia 76ers fans, or Daryl Morey for that matter, had hoped a pairing of Joel Embiid and James Harden would turn out. The fact is, he traded Ben Simmons for James Harden. Yeah, he had to give up a couple other pieces, but he didn't have to give up Tyrese Maxey or any other valuable pieces. It ended up working out in Daryl's favor. I would think that Joe Sy would see that and take a similar approach. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United Wecast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, there's a couple things going on with LeBron James. Obviously, there's the two-year extension that's hanging out there, and there's a question of who would be taking the bigger risk, the Lakers or LeBron, in agreeing to two more years together. And then there's the question that's been raised, I've floated it out there. LeBron James apparently is in the pole position to be the owner of the Las Vegas expansion franchise when Las Vegas and Seattle, which I'm told is going to happen as soon as the next TV deals are in place, that those franchises are going to be added to the equation, which has a whole lot of repercussions, including the timing of when LeBron decides to step aside and become an owner rather than a player. We'll get into all those particulars in the next episode, unless something extraordinary happens here in what is generally the dead period for the NBA. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>